Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, a look at the matchups of concern with the Rams on kickoff night in Week 1. What is the history of the defending Super Bowl champs in their Week 1 kickoff games? We investigate. And Rams ESPN beat reporter Sarah Barshop gets us caught up on their offseason, how the Rams are different, and the OBJ sweepstakes. Let's put the ball on the tee! We flip the calendar to September. It's finally week one for one of the most anticipated Bills seasons in a while. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And we open with the season opener, Buffalo at Los Angeles, the defending Super Bowl champs. And Steve, let's begin with this. I know you've played in the ultimate game at the end of one season. Then you play in week one the following season. And you've got to start at the bottom of the mountain again. Is it hard to keep that thought out of your head from the previous year. I'll never forget walking off the field after Super Bowl 25, after we gotten beat by a single point with a chance to win it. And I remember thinking these exact things. I, I can't believe we came all this way for nothing. I can't believe how long it took us to get to this yeah. game. And now we are zero. We are, we have, we're starting over. We have to start. We have to do this all again. All right, it's, now fast forward me to week one. Here's the Where thing. are the thoughts running through your head there? Is there no. any thought no. about the end of the previous no. season? No. Uh, there's, a, there's a thought about – there's a lesson learned there, no question, but the thought is all about the, what's coming up. And, I, and I've said this before on the show. Players, coaches, the guys in the building, in the locker room, get over those tough losses much faster than fans do. And the media does, yeah, because they're thinking about the next one. They've got they're working, you know, they're working towards the next. They're doing things that are getting and have ready for been the working. next one. They have had and have been. So pretty quickly after you get back together and start thinking about what's going on this year, mm. and the new guys come in and the old guys leave, and the and vice versa. Uh, all the you know the old guys, you get these veterans come in and you lose some good rookies, that kind of thing. When the team team starts to take shape for the next one, the you know the down and the bummer of the last loss kind of goes away. I wonder how different it is for the winners of that game because you've made it. Me too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they've, they've made it to the top of the mountain. Right. They've achieved a career goal and now you've got to summon up the energy to try to go do that again and you're going to be dropped into a week one atmosphere where you are the center of attention. There's pomp and circumstance, all of that jazz. I'm almost more curious as to how the Rams are going to react in that environment um, than the Bills are, because first of all, the Bills weren't even in that ultimate game. Yes, they had a crushing end to their season last year with the whole 13 seconds debacle, but I got to believe it's dramatically different for the Rams, who are going to not only be having a Super Bowl ceremony pregame, but they're also going to be in the same exact place they were, the same field, the same stadium that they won the Super Bowl championship That's in. Correct. Now, we know since 2010, the kickoff game has greatly favored the defending Super Bowl champions. In the last 11 season kickoff games, the defending Super Bowl champ has won eight times. How hard is it, even for a good team like the Bills, 
to overcome all the emotion and energy in the visiting stadium of the defending Super Bowl champs and win a game in that atmosphere? It, it, obviously, it seems tough. It has a lot to do with the matchup as well. Usually, the league gives them, you know, doesn't give them a cupcake of a game either. I mean, the Bills are no cup. They're going to go in there. They're the favorites. Um, the matchup does have a lot to do with it. Um, and also being at home and the emotion of it. And I'll say this, too. The guys that I've spoken with that I played with on the Super Bowl teams, and we're very close friends. We've, we've got a real bond uh, on those great teams way back in the day. But I've heard a couple of them say that bond you get from winning a, going the whole way and winning that game is, is just as great or greater for those teams that actually win a Super Bowl. And I think that does have some carryover effect into that very next season because the bulk of those guys are still there. In, in even in this day and age, most of those guys on the Rams are there now. They've lost, you know, more than maybe a handful of contributors, but their star players are in place. And I think that means something. I think you go into that game with some confidence and some knowledge. That no matter what the emotions are outside of this thing, you know how to focus, and you're you know you're a champion. And I right. think that I think that does carry some weight, no question about it. The most interesting thing for me is the Rams, while they have added star power in the form of Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson, they have arguably lost two of the most talented players on their roster, maybe short of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, in. OBJ, who is not fit to play after tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl, and Von Miller, who's playing for the team on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The only defending Super Bowl champs to lose a season kickoff game the following year, since 2010, were the Giants in 2012, a 24-17 loss to Dallas, the Ravens in 2013 to Denver, 49-27, and the Patriots, who got shellacked in 2017 to Kansas City, 42-27. to The main danger for the Rams is getting too hyped up or so emotional from the pregame ceremony or whatever that they can't focus. I know you said that's unlikely for winning teams, good clubs that know how to win in a charged atmosphere, but and the stats are telling us the defending right. champ doesn't lose very often, but I will point this out, Steve. The early line on the game is Bill's Minus two and a half. What say you? I don't think getting hyped up is an issue. I, I, that's in a, it's an inaccurate communication of the fear that I think is there. The real fear is the distraction of all the stuff that goes on beforehand, of the days leading up to it, of defending your title, of have, spending an offseason having your ego massaged by everybody who you come in contact with. The Real, I think, pitfall for great teams who come back the next season is a hangover of apathy and inactivity and the losing their edge because they've already done it. Yeah. And having it, it, we've seen it, we've talked about it in individual players. Once you achieve your goal, it takes you a minute to say, okay, you know, well, now what do I do? Do I want to do that again? Right, exactly. <laughs> and all that went into doing exactly. it? Exactly. Plus, then you go out and everybody, and they're still, and even right up to kickoff, they're rubbing your tummy and patting you on the back, saying, man, looking into your eyes. Great and just, job. You guys are just the best. You know, it's hard to get some nasty into you when, you know, you're in that environment. And on the flip side of that, 
the burning desire in the bellies of the Bills who have experienced playoff disappointment each of the last three years, it makes you think that there's a pretty good chance the Bills are coming out with their hair on fire in this game on Thursday night. And the Bills have got a new offensive coordinator who wants to, like, Kind of himself. explode on the scene, you know. Yeah. Say, hey, you want to? You know, here's where you're. Yeah, making a statement against that team. There just seems to be so much ammunition for the Bills to use as fuel. They're not the only one who've come into a game a season like that, though, either. Right, but they are playing the team that already achieved the ultimate goal, and I wonder if there's a. Yeah, we'll. I mean, we'll see. I, I think they'll be. It's hard to see the Rams. Look, are the Rams going to be motivated to play? Obviously they are. I get it. I don't know if they're going to be able to match the Bills' intensity in this game because of all that's... Well, here's the problem. They got Aaron Donald. Well, right. And that guy can take that guy can make the statement say, he can just stand up and he say... He can I'm, wreck a game by himself. We take, know that. He'll take over the game at a certain point and say, come on, let's go, and the guys will turn it on. Yeah. That kind of thing. But the Bills got guys like that, too. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of them. Jalen Ramsey can be that guy. Steph Diggs could be that guy. Dawson Knox could be that guy. Josh, yeah. Von Miller, you know Ed Oliver. You, you name it. Greg Rousseau. These guys could you know rise up and be the guy that takes over a portion of the game and, and fires everybody up. So with that in mind, let's take a look now at some of the matchups in this game. And the one that sticks out to me anyway is Taron Johnson and Cooper Cup. The reigning offensive player of the year, who is such a sharp and precise route runner against a top-five nickel corner in Johnson, knowing that most defenses have trouble, trouble stopping Cup, what is a defensive strategy that can be employed here for a dangerous wideout that has a two-way go on every play when he lines up in the slot here? Well, they got to give him help. Yeah, right? And like, it's going to be a numbers game, I think, against this team. I, the Rams run it a little bit more than most people think they probably would. But this, I think when you got a guy like Cooper Cup, you do it every way you can. You double him with a – you give him some help with the safety. You give him help, some help with the linebacker. You, you, you take the inside pathway. You take the yeah, outside Yeah, you wall off away. areas of the field, right? right? Uh, you try and do all of that. But to me, you're right. That is an enormous matchup problem. I think more importantly in this, it's more, it's more basic than that, this matchup. Can the Bills with Von Miller, Greg Rousseau in his second year, Ed Oliver, and, and uh, Jordan Phillips, can the four of those guys get pressure right now with just those four? Yeah. And the seven guys dropping out. And if you can do that, it's going to be a problem for the Rams, even with Cooper Cup and, and the rest of those guys. Their starting left tackle retired, Andrew Whitworth. And he was you know, a player. You got a new left tackle. I like Rousseau on Rob Havenstein, the right tackle. I like those matchups. And on the interior, they've got some decent players, but I it's like going to be defensive tackles I, on this roster. I think, no question, we all like to talk about the skilled players, and Cooper Cup is a phenomenal player. And Taron Johnson is, a, is maybe as good a slot corner as they're going to face, but... I think it's more the matchup is more basic than that because these you know because the coaches you can cover up for weaknesses you can cover up for strengths and I think one of the things too with Taron Johnson Cooper Cup what if they put Cooper Cup on the outside to see if he can take one of the rookie you know yeah. the young guys that's probably more likely to me than anything else 
One matchup, so you know, you mentioned the lines. So the other matchup that caught, catches my eye is Roger Saffold and three-time Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald. Now Saffold is actually familiar with Donald, having faced him in practice for five seasons as a, five seasons as a teammate with the Rams. How much does that familiarity help Saffold in that matchup, knowing he's going to be getting help from Mitch Morris most a of ton. the time? You cannot single block Aaron a Donald; ton. it's impossible. I think it helps a ton. Yeah, you go in there knowing. The challenge, and knowing you've got to have what's got to happen for you to win, and you communicate that with Morse, you communicate that with um, Dion Dawkins, you communicate that with Cromer. Cromer gets on board with that, and you, and you talk about a guy like Saffold can talk about what has happened in the past with him and why he's a problem. What happens when he moves here and there and there? Uh, a guy like Saffold being there, and now he's been gone for a minute, but that it's a wealth of knowledge. And knowing and remembering the challenge that a guy like Aaron Donald brings. A lot of conversations up front about what you can get away with and what you can't and what you gotta watch out for. You know, the if right. you do that, if you do this, he's gonna do that. You gotta be ready, you know, that kind of thing. And so you can practice that stuff and get ready. And I think that's huge. I think it's an absolute I think it's really huge because I mean five years is a long time to know a teammate, especially yeah. when you're going against them in practice every yeah. day in training camps and you know all of that stuff. Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris aren't too far removed from the last time they faced the Rams in 2020 in week three when Donald was playing. And they Donald had a couple of plays in that game. Josh still talks about the time where Donald had a guy blocking him. He reached underneath the arm of the offensive lineman and grabbed Josh by the jersey and threw him down with one arm. And Josh said... I actually had to go back and watch the tape the next day. He goes, I'm not a small guy. So for somebody to just reach with one hand and throw me on the ground the way yeah. he did when he was still being blocked, he said, was something that I had to actually see on film to see how he did that. Yeah, I'll say this. But he didn't take over that game against <laughs> the Bills in 2020. Let me tell you something. You're right. And and Josh has got a very healthy respect for Aaron Donald, as he should. But Aaron Donald will remember a play where Josh stiff-armed him off him, threw him on the ground, and made a play, and there was a penalty on the play. And Josh's ability to hold Aaron Donald off with one hand, literally push him off, step back and throw the football, and get a penalty on the play because of it, lived to fight another down on the final drive of that game, gave him a chance to set up that final touchdown you mentioned to Tyler Croft. That was a play that Josh made the same way Aaron Donald threw him to the ground. Josh made a play against Aaron Donald one-on-one. -on -one. And so Aaron Donald knows that, too. He knows Josh is a big, strong dude. And they'll both know it's a challenge. So it's both these teams have reason to have a healthy respect for the guys they got playing against them. We'll get into some other elements about the game a little bit later on when we get into these three things. But right now, it's time to play the numbers game. And we're going to play either or, where Steve has to guess which team, the Bills or the Rams, had the higher statistical ranking from 2021. Steve, there are 10 in all. Let's get it rolling. You got a 50-50 shot here. This, right. is, this is probably the easiest numbers game you will play. 500 anyway. That's right. Uh, so... Question number one, which team ranked higher in total offense in 2021, the Bills or the Rams? Bills. That is correct. The Bills were fifth. The Rams were ninth. 
Which team ranked higher in rushing yards per game, the Bills or the Rams? Rams. That is incorrect. You forgot the Josh Allen factor. The Bills oh. were fifth in rushing last year. The Rams were 25th. Now, they did lose Cam Akers to a season-ending injury. And that Wait, really... the Bills were fifth and they were 25th? Yeah. Oh, and I put them. Yeah. The Bills were 25th. I thought you said I was – I thought I was trying to pick the one – you're picking the higher-ranked team. The Rams were you fifth. Said the Rams. No, the Bills were fifth. Oh, okay. Because of Josh's rushing exploits. Right. Josh had 763 rushing yards last year. Number three. You're one and one here. Passing yards. Which team ranked higher? Bills. That would be incorrect. The Rams were fifth. You knew the Rams were 25th in rushing. You knew they had to make it up somewhere, right? Yeah, all right. Rams were fifth in passing. The Bills were ninth. Third down conversion rate on offense, Steve. Which team was more successful, do you think? Bills or Rams? Third down what? Conversion, conversion? rate on offense. I'll say... I'll say Rams. It's the Bills. <laughs> Bills were third in third down conversion rate on offense. The Rams were seventh. This is why it's tough because both teams were were pretty good in a lot of categories last year, and you can make a case for either one. So you know it's not like these guesses are outlandish. Red zone touchdown percentage on offense, Steve. Bills or Rams? Who ranked higher last year? <laughs> well, let's get you do it backwards. Uh, red zone scoring? Yes. Who had a higher touchdown percentage in the red zone, the Bills or the Rams last year? Bills. Correct. You went with the Josh Allen effect, and that would be correct. Bills seventh in red zone touchdown percentage. Rams were 15th. Points per game. Bills. Bills by a whisker. 28.4. I know the Bills are really good. 28.4. Rams were 27.1. Okay, right. you've evened the records here, Steve. You're three, three of six. You got to get you know over 500 here. We flip it over to the other side of the ball. Ah. Run defense, higher ranking, Bills or Rams? Run defense? Yes. Run defense. I will say Rams. Correct. Rams were sixth in the league against the run. The Bills were 13th. Aaron Donald. They did lose Sebastian Joseph Day, who was a good run defender for them. He's playing across the street for the Chargers now. I'm not interested. (laughs) Interception rate by a defense, Steve. Bills or Rams ranked higher? Uh, For for goodness sakes. Um, I'm going to say Rams. Nope, it's the Bills. They, they were third. Rams were seventh. What's my score? You are even Steven. You are four up and four down. The, here comes the... Uh, the these are, these are critical now, these last two. Come on! Sack percentage. Which team had a higher percentage of sacks on their total defensive plays? Rams or Bills? Rams. Rams. By a whisker really? again. The Rams got sacks on 8% of their plays. The Bills, so they ranked fifth. The Bills were sixth, 7.92%. Really? Eight hundredths of a percent difference. But I got it. You got it. I got it. So I'm five and four. That's right. So close it out here, man. 
Red zone defense. Bills or Rams were ranked higher. Red zone defense? Yes, man. Like, people know these things? <laughs> well, they don't. That's why it's a numbers game question that is not easy. They can't all be layups, Steve. I'll say Buffalo. And you would be correct. <laughs> well done, Steve. Bills were sixth. Rams were, Rams were eighth. They were oh. close in a lot of offensive and defensive categories last year. But you finish six of ten, Steve. Way to get above the Mendoza line there. Better than a coin flip. Over 500. Nicely done. So, uh, we, we move along now to get a better feel for how the offseason and preseason has gone for the Los Angeles Rams. Here to help us in that effort is Rams beat reporter for ESPN, Sarah Barshop. Here is Sarah. All right, Sarah, so let's begin here. We kind of, from afar, we kind of look at the Rams roster and say, okay, what did they add? What did they subtract? And it's hard not to notice the subtractions on both the offensive and defensive lines, you know, from free agent losses. You know, he's talking Austin Corbett, you know, on the offensive line. Sebastian Joseph Day, who goes across the street to the Chargers, you know, among others. And, oh, by the way, that big one, Von Miller. So what do you see or have you seen from the replacements that are now filling those roles in the trenches on both sides of the ball for the Rams? Are you confident that what you're seeing means there should be limited drop-off, if any? It's hard to say limited drop-off, especially when you talk about losing Andrew Whitworth on the offensive line. And the other thing is it's really kind of hard to judge because we don't really see live action from the Rams during the preseason. Their starters don't play in those games. Now, we did see two days of joint practices in Cincinnati, and I think you get more of a feel for that. Um, I was actually kind of impressed. I mean, Logan Bruss losing him at right guard for the season with the torn ACL, I think that's something that, you know, normally you look at that's their top pick. Yes, he was a third-round pick, but he was their top pick this year, and you kind of worry about that, but... They've got in-house replacements, and I, again, though, it's really hard to tell until you get to week one and say, okay, we saw this at training camp. We saw you going against your team, but what does it look like when you can actually really push and shove? And in those joint practices, they did get pretty intense. You guys, I'm sure, saw oh, yeah. the Aaron Donald swinging <laughs> the helmets, but even before that, there was a lot of uh, – just a lot of – it was it was very – you could tell the Rams had not played against – other opponents so far this preseason. Um, so watching those two days really made me think maybe they'll be okay, but I think losing Andrew Whitworth, I just think it's, it's hard to say, yeah, they'll be okay going, you know, replacing them, you know. And, and of course, as you mentioned, Von Miller, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, I, I, was, I didn't cover this team last year, but, um, yeah, I'm guessing that'll be, you know, something they'll really miss. What has been the rhetoric from Sean McVay and other coaches and the players themselves, the guys who were there last year, about what are some of the different things that are happening? Certainly they, they've spent the entire offseason you know, as world champions, and there's always that thought that they're, they're going to come back where they, they had their feet up all offseason enjoying what happened at the end of last season, winning the Super Bowl and that kind of thing. What has been the, the rhetoric about any differences that anybody has noticed with the team this year, or what are some of the new things that they're looking forward to? I think it's, yes, you lose faces during free agency, but there's been a lot of excitement about some of the additions, and I'll, I'll bring up Allen Robinson. Um, this receiver core, obviously you have Cooper Cup, um, and of course he's very good, but 
You look at that number two receiver in Allen Robinson, and during camp, I've seen him in the end zone a lot. I mean, he and Matthew Stafford didn't get live reps, didn't get reps really during the spring because Stafford wasn't throwing. They had the limited, you know, time together during training camp because Stafford was on that throwing plan. But during those two joint practices and what we've seen of them together during team drills, I've been very impressed. And I just think that, yes, they miss pieces. They're going to miss pieces in the offense. But to me, I think the addition of Allen Robinson is maybe just underestimated around the league but how big of a deal that is to this offense. Yeah, I mean, you could yeah. argue they have two number ones now with right. Cup and Robinson, at least as I see it. Speaking of that receiving core, though, Sarah, what is the outlook for Van Jefferson now going into week one? He's like a, a month removed from the knee scope. What What is the situation there? Is Is he going to play on Thursday? You know what? Sean McVay has been very tight-lipped about it from the very beginning. He said, you know, there's a chance he's rehabbing. We've seen him out on the field rehabbing. Um, he was asked that last week, and he said, we're still taking this day by day. So the fact that they kept seven receivers on their initial 53-man roster tells me that they're probably going to, like, if he's ready, great, but we're not going to push him back. They know how important he is to this offense, the way they they play. Um, obviously, they have not re-signed Odell Beckham. Now, he's also still recovering from that torn ACL, but... The way they've built this room, and I think having so many guys on that initial roster, tells me that they are going to make sure he is 100% so they don't have to worry about him re-injuring or coming back too quickly. So I don't know about Thursday night, but and we'll ask Sean McVay again about that today, but he has said we're just going to take it one day at a time, which probably doesn't bode well for him being there on Thursday. And the throwing issues that Stafford went through early in training camp are a thing of the past, correct? I don't think... The pain has gone away, certainly. I think it's something he's going to have to maybe play with all year. Maybe it'll get better. He told us he hopes it'll get better as the season goes on. He said it has been getting better, but I don't think it's gone away. Um, I, I don't know if issues is the right word, if he's going to, if he feels like he can play through that pain. Um, but we are no longer seeing this buildup, right? They spent all a training camp. He took, he didn't take part in team drills for a significant portion of that practice down in Irvine. Um, so, he they really built him up um and now he's throwing like normal now we don't get to watch all of practice but sean mcveigh has called him a full participant in practice he was certainly in those two joint practices in cincinnati um so i don't know that they're going to be a thing of the past maybe even this season but he has said he feels comfortable playing through this and sean mcveigh told us he looks like the matthew i know paint the picture if you could for us of david long's development former third round pick in 2019 now ascends into what looks like a starting role opposite Jalen Ramsey after the departure of Darius Williams. Is he, has he looked the part? Does he look ready to be CB2 in the Rams defense? You know, he's looked good during training camp. And one of the reasons I think we can say that is because Jalen Ramsey didn't play, didn't take part in team drills while he was recovering from shoulder surgery for part of training camp. So we really saw him as the guy. And he was surrounded by these young draft picks these these young dbs coming in and he really did and then ramsey came out and all of a sudden you say oh wow this defense got a lot better obviously with jalen ramsey but one thing ramsey talked about is he said you know last year i listened back to broadcasts and you hear them saying oh they have no one there behind jalen ramsey um and he said i don't think that's the case and that's someone he pointed to so again we'll see against real live action but i think 
being the guy early in training camp and Ramsey wasn't out there really helped him. What is the vibe in L.A. about the first game, this Thursday night game, pregame ceremonies, the Bills are coming to town. Um, what is, what's going to happen that night? Are they going to raise the banner? Are they getting rings? I mean, it's going to be quite the spectacle. What is the vibe in L.A. like? So I haven't been in L.A. that long, but I will say one thing I, of course, learned is about the traffic, and everybody has warned me that on a Thursday night game, the 520 Pacific kick, I need to get there so early because it is going to be crazy around the stadium. So that is the first warning I've been given. Um, they are going to unveil their banner, and they also said they're going to have a banner already up there in SoFi for their first championship um, in St. Louis. So I think it sounds like it's going to be a very busy pregame. Um, and just based on the emails I've been getting about hey, watch out for parking, you know, all this stuff. It sounds like it's going to be a scene around the stadium, and I have not been there for a regular season game, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Right. All right, Sarah, well, listen, thanks very much for the time and bringing us up to speed on the Rams. Uh, safe travels getting to the stadium on Thursday. <laughs> and uh, enjoy it, man. The season's finally here. We're, we're glad uh, you were able to make some time for us. Thanks very much. Thanks. Great to talk to you guys. We dive into these three things to close out the show. And first up, Steve, how much should we be concerned about a rookie, presumably Kyer Elam, starting at cornerback against a high-octane passing attack like the Rams, especially with new addition, Allen Robinson? We know Tredavious White is no longer part of the first-month equation of this regular season after going on reserve PUP. I think it's, I think it's a worry. you got to worry about it. Um, Elam, Benford, they're unproven. Dane Jackson is a guy that came off the bench last year Played due to well. injury. Played well, no question. Uh, Taron Johnson still gives you something. But, yeah, you can bet that the L.A. Rams are going to test him out. Oh, yeah. Early and often with different guys. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, But, yes, I think as a Bills uh, fan and a coaching staff, you got to know that Kyrie Elam is going to be tested and tested early, and and it's and you don't know, you just don't know how he's going to do. At the time that we are taping this podcast, it was not yet announced who would be starting at that cornerback spot opposite Dane Jackson, whether it would be Kyrie Elam or Christian Benford. Brandon Bean did have an interesting comment when he was posed the question about who would line up over there. He talked about how Christian Benford was exposed to more defensive coverages. He has more experience in the variety of defensive coverages that the Bills play. Will that tip the scales in his favor to start in Week 1 over Kyrie Elam, or do they go with the guy with elite physical traits in Elam to start, or is it a platoon? These are all things that had not been answered when we began taping this podcast. Second thing... We remember the matchup between Stephon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey in Week 3 of 2020, Steve. Diggs was one of the only receivers to get a touchdown on Ramsey in that season. He was targeted six times in that game, had four catches for 49 yards along with the touchdown. The Bills won, as we know, on a last-second touchdown pass from Josh Allen to Tyler Croft. What do we expect from the rematch, Diggs versus Ramsey? It's going to be interesting because I think... Diggs is still the number one target guy, and I think the Rams will see it that way. How they handle him remains to be seen. Gabe Davis is a wild card in this and what the Rams see in him. He's a bigger dude, and I think he's a much better number two at this point of his career than John Brown was the last time these two play teams played. And I think 
the rest of the you – know, Dawson Knox was a rookie uh, the last time these two teams played. The Bills are a very different offense. and Josh Allen's a different quarterback. So I, I think all of those factors are going to make it appear different. But I, I, I don't think there's any question. Diggs will get some targets. I don't know that all of his targets will be with Jalen Ramsey one-on-one and the two of them going at it. But some of them will. Uh, Diggs is not going to shy away from Ramsey. He's going to look forward to the ch- challenge. I, I, we've seen Diggs have good days against good corners. Yeah, he rises to the occasion. J- ask J.C. Jackson. I mean, Diggs would be in the Hall of Fame if he played J.C. Jackson every week. So I like, I, I like Steph Diggs uh, because of the Bills' ability to use him, move him around – find a spot for him and the other weapons. So they're going to force the Rams to – they're going to spread their defense thin, and that means Diggs is going to have some some freedom to work. Yeah, I I wonder how often – And it's hard to play defense. I wonder how often they leave Ramsey on an island with Diggs because he is one of the most precise route runners in the entire league, right up there with Cooper Cup, if not better. And so – it's hard not to get got, even if you're a yeah. top five cover man and you know how to play press. It's, you, it's interesting that you brought up Gabe Davis because on the other side is David Long, a third-round pick in 2019 for the Rams, who has now ascended into the, the CB2 role. Right. Um, and his best traits or skills are known as a press man corner. He's 5'11", 196. He's not a runt by any means. But Gabe is a physical mismatch, and I don't care who the corner is. And if you're going to play press man on Gabe Davis, right. you're going to have problems. Yeah. You are. And it's the, just, I don't care. You're just you're going to struggle. And the the Rams may see it differently. They may put Ramsey on Gabe Davis and get the physical matchup they want, and and put the you know put Long over on Diggs with some help. Double yeah, digs. That might happen. Put and the, you know the Bills are going to be moving people around. Right. You put the number one guy on the second guy and you double the number like yes. the defense will double digs yeah, wherever it goes that. and then put the number one corner on your number two so they'll feel like there's strength on strength there you know so um that's a possibility as well yeah third thing which d-line does more damage on thursday night the revamp the revamped bills defensive line with Von Miller, Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, and Tim Settle as new arrivals, or the Rams, who lost more than they added this offseason up front, but still have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. I'm going to say I'm going to say the Bills D line because the the off, the Rams lost a little bit. You said they lost their left Whitworth, tackle, yeah. and, and the Bills have bolstered their interior. Particular, I think they're more stable up front than they were a year ago. Um, you're talking Bill's offensive Bill's line. offensive line yeah. is more stable up front than they were even three years ago when they played him the first time. I um, now certainly they're going to make Donald and, and those guys. They're going to make some plays on the LA side, but I think the Bills will as well. And I think their ability to stay fresh up front and be good deep in their roster is going to serve them well in this game. I'm, so I'm I I will say the Rams are going to make some hay, no question, because they're just that good. 
But I think the Bills are going to surprise some people up front defensively. I don't think there's any question that star players make big plays in big moments. And Aaron Donald has filled that bill for the better part of the last eight or nine years. Right. And I don't expect that to change. He's going to win on some plays. You just have to make sure they don't turn into catastrophic plays. Like if he comes in and gets a sack, make sure that the ball doesn't come out also. You know what I mean? Like those kinds of mm -hmm. things. Minimize the big plays that he makes. Don't let him maximize them with a turnover or something of that ilk. Leonard Floyd, I think, is still an underrated player off the edge for them. So I think they can still make plays to help the Rams' defense. But I, I've been saying it since they made these free agent acquisitions in March. I think Buffalo's defensive interior is going to surprise people with all the focus on Von Miller outside and on Ed Oliver, who has been a problem and is a matchup focus I think Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones are going to eat and we'll eat see. big in this yeah. game. That's the And plan. I think that will be a theme this season for that defensive front. Our closing figure this week deals with how close in production the Bills and Rams offenses were last year. You got a taste of it just now in the numbers game. Right. In the area of explosive plays, a run of 10 yards or more, the Bills had 88 such run plays last year. The Rams had 87 <laughs> last year. Oh, wow. In the area of explosive plays with a pass, 20 yards or more, the Bills had 46 such plays last year. The Rams had 44. Which offense has improved more from the offseason? Something to think about as we get ready for Bills-Rams kickoff Thursday night football. Buffalo and L.A. have... Two pretty good defenses. Maybe the offense that delivers the big play in the yeah. end that decides what should be a very close game. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use or watch us on the Bills YouTube channel. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week, everybody. 